Let us now read what we confess in the Heidelberg Catechism concerning the Lord's Day in Lord's Day 38. Page 518 of your Book of Praise. There we find God's word summarized as follows. What does God require in the fourth commandment? First, that the ministry of the Gospels and the schools be maintained, and that especially on the day of rest I diligently attend the Church of God to hear God's word, to use the sacraments, to call publicly upon the Lord, and to give Christian offerings for the poor. Second, that all the days of my life I rest from my evil works, let the Lord work in me through his Holy Spirit, and so begin in this life the eternal Sabbath. After the sermon, we will sing from Psalm 116, stances 4, 7, and 9. Beloved congregation of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, brothers and sisters, we began by reading from and by singing Psalm 122. How glad I was when unto me they said, Let us with one accord go to the temple of the Lord. We all sang it. But did we really mean it? When you got up this morning, were you delighted that you could go to church today? Typically, many of us take it all in stride. It's part of our weekly routine. Some of us are so focused on our everyday lives that the Sunday is somewhat of an interruption, an interruption of the things that we are busy with during the rest of the week. And then we think about such things as making a living, getting an education, advancing our careers, building our businesses. And as we saw on the Sunday, we are more focused on material things rather than spiritual things. For some of our young people, a Sunday may even be a bit of a downer. That's when they have to put on their Sunday best. Well, they would rather wear more comfortable clothes. This may even cause some arguments with mom and dad. And so they start the Lord's Day off by being angry or irritated with each other. The question that we should ask ourselves then is, do we have the right attitude towards the Lord's Day? In the original German edition of the Heidelberg Catechism, the Lord's Day is called a Feiertag, a day of celebration. Is it a day of celebration for you? I will preach to you about the celebration of the Lord's Day. And then we will see that it is in the first place a Sabbath celebration, in the second place, a spiritual celebration, and in the third place, an eternal celebration. So I'll preach to you about the celebration of the Lord's Day. It is a Sabbath celebration, a spiritual celebration, and an eternal celebration. From the very beginning, the Sabbath was meant to be a celebration. For what did the Lord God do when he created all things? He rested. And when he gave the Ten Commandments to his people, he reminded them of that fact. 
quoteth the fourth commandment, he said, For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Why do you think God wanted to rest on that day? What was the purpose of it? Couldn't be because he was tired. God does not get tired. Well, he rested on that day because he had completed the work of creation. And so now it is finished. It's done. It's complete. Now he can look back at what was done, and now he can rejoice. A new period has has arrived, a period of rest and enjoyment, and a day of reflection on what he has accomplished. It is for him indeed a day of celebration. And that celebration is continuing also today. It's a special day. And that is clear from what he said about that day. The Lord said, therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. He blessed it. That means that he spoke favorably about it. The Sabbath day is a very happy day in the eyes of the Lord. He also made it holy. When something is holy, that means that it has especially been set aside by God. Something that is holy is dedicated to the Lord. That is the first and foremost meaning of holiness. God did not give that day of rest in the first place to man. God gave that day of rest to himself. It is a very special day for himself, but for that reason it should be a special day for us as well. For let us not forget why God gave us his word. He gave his word to man so that man would know who God is and what he has done. He also wants you to know from his word how you relate to him. God told man in his word that he made him in his own image. To be made in God's image means that you reflect through your own words and actions who God is. Man, therefore, must also rest on the seventh day. It is also a day of celebration for him. He can now also enjoy God's creation. Of course, of course, man had to do that every day of the week. But God set a day aside especially for that very purpose. Now you can lay down your tools and rest. And you could do that, man could do that already before the fall into sin in paradise. Adam did that already. God's pattern of work and rest was then already a pattern for man to follow. And just consider what God, and therefore what you and I have to celebrate. The Lord God directly connected the Sabbath to creation. It's important that we realize that. For creation is an almighty and awesome act. In God's creation you see the great and incomprehensible mind of God. How did God create? He spoke and it came to be. What came to be? A creation so intricate and so complex and so beautiful and with so many elements, with so much variety, 
that we all stand in awe of it all the days of our lives. The scientists continue to discover new things about the intricacies of God's wonderful creatures and his creation. But the reality is, is that they have only scratched the surface. There is still so much more to be discovered. And no doubt we will discover those things, all of them, in the life hereafter. We will stand in awe of the Lord our God. And God created also man. He created man as the crown of his creation. The modern scientist also only has an inkling of how man is put together and how all the organs function together as one great big symphony each doing its own part in unison with all the others. He also created the tiny organisms, and he created the Leviathan that live in the sea. The ocean is full of life, and so is the earth. And then just look at the universe. Billions and billions of stars are in the sky, and they all have their own orbit, and they never collide God had all those things in his awesome mind when he spoke and it came to be. Brothers and sisters, boys and girls, God's creation is awesome. And now God gives us a special day in the week to reflect on on all that. And so it is a day of celebration. That That is what we see as New Testament church as well. For that day of celebration continued also after the fall. And it also continued after the birth of Christ. But the Lord God gives us another reason for celebration. That is clear especially from the wording in Deuteronomy 5. There the Lord God adds the words, Remember that you were slaves in Egypt and that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. It is now a day of celebration, not only because of the creation, but also because of God's deliverance. God delivered his people out of Egypt. And now the Lord God gives the Sabbath as a day wherein they must remember that as well. When we think of deliverance, we think especially of our deliverance from Satan. And such deliverance means that we have been given a new life, that we have been given eternal life. And we have a foreshadowing of that in the Old Testament. The Sabbath is a day of refreshment, of renewal. And that is also what God says in Exodus 23, verse 12. Six days do your work, but on the seventh day do not work, so that your ox and your donkey may rest, and the slave born in your household, and the alien as well. And that day may be refreshed. It's a day of refreshment. It's a day of renewal. You can imagine what a wonderful celebration this will have been for the Israelites when they came out of the land of Egypt, the house of slavery. When they lived there, they had to work all the time, seven days a week. They were slaves. They had no choice. And they had to do that week in, week out. And now, now that they have been delivered from Egypt, once they are in the desert, they no longer have to do that. They have a day free from their work. 
He claimed them as his own and he set them free, especially on that day, to serve him. It's no wonder, therefore, that in Isaiah 58, verse 13, as we could read, that the Sabbath is called there a delight. For God gives that day of delight, a day of rest. He gives man one day out of each week so that he can have a day of relaxation and a day of commemoration. For the Lord tells them that they must remember the Sabbath day. They must remember that God instituted that day for himself. Now, it was hard for them to remember that, wasn't it? The Israelites soon forgot about the miracle of their deliverance. They soon forgot what a delight it was that God rescued them from the land of Egypt. They focused on the things they didn't have and focused instead on the things that they wanted to have. They were not satisfied. They became grumblers and complainers. They looked at other people. They looked at other nations. And they looked at what they had. And they wanted that too. And they wanted more. It's your nature and my nature as well to always want more. Not to be satisfied. And we need to be reminded time and again of the wonderful things that the Lord God has done. He has created us. And he has recreated us. Life is a wonderful gift from the Lord. And on the first day of the week, we celebrate life. God has made us part of his wonderful creation. And we may enjoy his presence now. And we may enjoy his presence into eternity. That's what he promised. And God keeps his promises. And we may be reminded of God's presence, especially on the first day of the week. The Lord gives us a whole day to celebrate. He wants us to get away from our daily work and our daily worries. And the Lord is very disappointed with you when you do not want to do that, when you treat this day as if it is not much different than another day. According to Exodus 31, the violation of this commandment makes you liable to the most severe punishment, even to death. For when a man does not heed that command, then he does not show appreciation for what God has done, and then he suffers his relationship with his Creator. For if you do not heed the Sabbath day, then you concentrate on earthly things and not on heavenly things. And then you begin to think only about yourself and not God. Then God no longer has a place in your heart. And it is for that reason that the prophet Nehemiah was so angry with the people who worked on the Sabbath, treading wine presses and bringing in grain and loading it on donkeys, together with various other kinds of goods, while the merchants stood outside the city gates eager to buy their goods. And Nehemiah threatened those merchants that he would lay his hands on them if they would do that again. And from the book of Amos, we know that the people were so eager to sell their goods and make money that they couldn't wait until the Sabbath was over. For the people said, when will the new moon be over that we may sell grain and the Sabbath be ended that we may market wheat? They couldn't wait 
until the Sabbath was over so that they could make money again. They were so busy with their earthly things. The desecration of the Sabbath also went together with the sin against the Eighth and the Ninth Commandment. And that was because of their greed. The Sabbath was supposed to be a day of reflection on what God had given to his people. It was a day of blessing. God had liberated his people from the land of Egypt. And he promised that he would provide for her. By doing these kinds of things, the people no longer showed that they trusted in the Lord their God. Do you? Are you worried about your financial well-being? Well, it's okay to plan. And you must make a living. But do you realize that you are dependent on the Lord God and that He will bless you if you are obedient to Him? Look at how they desecrated the Lord's Day and how it is done all around us today. For in those days, that was not the only way that the Sabbath day was desecrated. There were also those who went to the other extreme, and that was also an indulging in the flesh. Some people, realizing that God had sent them into exile because of their transgressions against God's commandments, they now all of a sudden became zealous to do the law of God, as if through the keeping of the law they could be saved. And we see that especially during the days of the Lord Jesus with the Pharisees. Those Pharisees prescribed to the minutest detail how the Sabbath ought to be kept. But then it was no longer a day of celebration. They didn't want to fall into the same sins as their forefathers who were exiled And they wanted to impress God and all others how zealous they were for the keeping of the law. And therefore, because they then needed also that they could also then in this way earn their salvation. They could earn God's favor. So what did they do? They made all kinds of regulations which were written down in their various commentaries which they religiously followed. It was no longer a matter of the heart. For example, in the Mishnah, it says that if you do some of the following things, that then you are guilty of transgressing the Sabbath rest. When you climb a tree, when you ride an animal, when you swim in the water, when you clap your hands, when you slap the hips, when you dance. It's even said that you were allowed to kill a louse, but not a flea. The latter, it was determined, would take more of an effort. Since according to Exodus 35, verse 3, no fire was to be kindled on the Sabbath, um, they concluded that the Sabbath lamp had to be lit before the Sabbath began. And you were not allowed to put the lamp out during the Sabbath either. Nor were you allowed to journey any farther than 2,000 cubits, which is about two-thirds of a kilometer, And you couldn't carry certain burdens. And so the laws went on and on and on. It's no wonder that the scribes and Pharisees considered themselves capable of keeping the Sabbath law alone. For they were the ones who were able to study all those various laws 
and therefore they were the ones that could keep them. It was not possible for the ordinary man. And then the Lord Jesus comes along, and he makes himself known as the Lord of the Sabbath. And so he restored the true meaning of the Sabbath. He said it is a day of celebration. It is something that is spiritually discerned. Understand how you must celebrate and why you do it. To give honor and glory to God, not to man. For the Pharisees and the scribes had made it a day that centered around man. They had man concentrated on all the things that they were forbidden to do. It became a day of drudgery for many. They made man a slave of the regulations that they themselves set forth. For them it was not a celebration of what God had done, but of what man should do. They had forgotten the very purpose of the Lord's Day. As we saw, the Lord's Day was instituted to give man the opportunity to reflect on God's almighty works of creation and recreation. The Lord Jesus was angry with the Pharisees for thinking that through the keeping of the law, you could add to God's works. He strongly spoke out against such self-righteousness. He wanted nothing to do with their legalism. Legalism appeals to the flesh and not to the spirit. And the Lord wants us to think about what he wants from us. And not about material things, about spiritual things instead. That brings us to the second point. In the passage that we read together in Matthew, the Lord Jesus shows himself to be the God of life. For he heals on the Sabbath. Now think about it. How appropriate that is. The Sabbath was a day of refreshment of the body and soul. It was a day of healing. And in the healing on the Sabbath, the Lord Jesus emphasizes that aspect of it. The Sabbath was made for man so that he could be reminded of who gives him that life. For that reason, it was not forbidden for the disciples to pick some heads of grain either. For it is also through food that life is sustained. But now see how the Lord Jesus fulfills the Sabbath. For he came to fulfill the law. The Lord Jesus rose on the first day of the week, on a Sunday. On that first day of the week, he restored life. On that first day of the week, he showed the great power that he has as creator and as recreator. And now you see a shift from the last day of the week to the first From then on in, the first day of the week becomes known as the Lord's Day. And in various passages in the New New Testament, you also read that word. And that they came together on the Lord's Day. It is the day of the Lord because on that day, on that first day of the week, he defeated death and he rose from the dead. On that day, he gave rest to his people. Note well in the passage we read together in Matthew that there the Lord Jesus tells his disciples and therefore also us that they must cast their yokes upon him for only with him will they find rest. Now what is the greatest burden that man has to carry? Isn't it the fact that man is going to die? 
There is a curse on man because of sin. And now the Lord Jesus has come in order to remove that curse. So, on that first day of the week, we now see that that has become a day of celebration. Again, it is a day to remember our deliverance. Not in the first place from the land of slavery, but from Satan and from sin. The Lord God now gives us that day to reflect on what he has done in delivering us from evil and the horrible consequences of that evil. Of that evil. And that is why it is such a great joy to be able to gather together as God's people to commemorate those things. We also do that when we have the Lord's Supper together. And then we commemorate that the Lord Jesus died and that he rose again. He shed his blood so that our sins could be forgiven. We can remember that he gave us eternal life. And therefore it is also a great sin today if you stay away from the church services. In the Old Testament, the Sabbath was a day of holy convocation. Today, as also the Catechism clearly states, the Lord's Day is a day of rest. God has given to us as the day where we gather together as his people. Therefore, the Catechism says that we must diligently attend the church services on that day. And you don't do that in order to earn your salvation, in order to show how pious you are before God. No, you do it because you truly want to celebrate. Because you want to be here. It is only a natural consequence of belonging to the Lord. And what is the center of the Lord's Day? The center of the Lord's Day is the preaching of God's Word. And now the question about what we may or may not do on the Lord's Day comes into a completely different light. You do everything that you can to free yourself from those things which would prevent you from celebrating, from remembering God's creation and recreation. If it is spiritually well with you, then you look forward to the Lord's Day. And you young people, you also will learn to look forward to that day. Especially once you realize your sins and how you have been delivered from your sins. Then you will want to come to church. You will want to hear about your deliverance. You will want to hear about the wonderful relationship that God has established with you. And you will also want everyone else to share in such a celebration, also even unbelievers. And for that, re- for that reason, you give a rest also to those who are in your employ. It may well be that they do not take advantage, and most of them don't, of the opportunity to be able to go to church. But nevertheless, you are not a stumbling block to them then. For you may not make a distinction as some do between spiritual rest and physical rest. The Bible does not know of a division between body and soul. Body and soul belong together. You must rest from your daily work. Now it is true that the various regulations as given in the Old Testament do not apply as they do exactly today. 
God's people in the Old Testament lived during different circumstances. If we still had to keep the Sabbath in the way that it was done in the Old Testament, then also the lighting of a fire in our dwellings or the gathering of kindled wood should not be permitted. And that is what it says in Exodus, that those things are not permitted. But now we live in the age of the Holy Spirit. And that means that we have been given the mind of Christ. You need to spiritually discern how you ought to conduct yourself on that special day. God gives you that responsibility. And for that reason, we may not go back to the time of the Pharisees either, who came with all kinds of do's and don'ts for the day of rest. For if that's what you are doing, then you are starting again from the wrong end. Then again you begin with man. You ask, what does God for me? How can I serve him? How can I celebrate? Living in the age of the Holy Spirit, having God's Spirit within you, and then you long, as the author of Psalm 42 states, and as we also sang together, to assemble as God's people, that you are long, that you long for Him as the heart longs for the flowing streams of water. You long to be here in these pews every Sunday to hear God's Word, to hear how He deals with His people, to hear how He deals with you. For you want to come to rest. Almighty God is at work. And we had better learn time and again what that means. And even once you have learned it, you need to be reminded. You must learn to stand in awe of His great work, what He has done and what He will do in the future. There's a great anticipation of that day. Come to the last point. Brothers and sisters, boys and girls, the Lord Jesus has acquired rest for us. How? Well, he did that by dealing with sin. We belong to him. And that means that the victory over sin and evil is now also your victory, my victory. That's how you may now have peace in your life. Because of Christ's death, you will live forever and ever as long as you believe in him. What a great blessing. It's very beautiful. It's very beautiful the way that the catechism ends this Lord's Day. For it states that God requires with this commandment that I rest from my evil works. Let the Lord work in me through his Holy Spirit. And so begin in this life the eternal Sabbath. Indeed, it is a holy day every day. It is not so that on Sundays we come together in our best clothes to piously proclaim that we belong to God's people. No, we must show that every day of the week. Every day of the week is a day of commemoration. We must remember every day of the week who God is but also who we are. We are children who have been bought by the blood of Christ. Every day, therefore, we must also fight against our sins, because that's what it means to belong to Christ. The fact that Christ has done his work in us must also show in us and through us. 
However, it also says in Hebrews 4 verse 9 that there remains for God's people a Sabbath rest. That does not just refer to the to every day of the week, but it refers especially to the Lord's Day. God established the Sabbath rest at the time of creation, and he has never rescinded it. And it has now been given a greater and richer meaning in Christ. And so we have to be careful how we celebrate on that day. If on the Sunday you do all kinds of other things that you would also do during the week, and then your mind is not at rest. Your mind is busy with those things. But the Lord gives you this day to stop what you normally do and to think, to think about what it means to be a child of his, to think about his greatness, to think about our wonderful future. The life here on earth, brothers and sisters, is a short life. And the Lord God wants us to reflect during this life what it means to have eternal life. For we have quite something to look forward to, brothers and sisters. We are anticipating the great day of rest together with the Lamb and with God. Then we have our eternal rest. No more sin, no more pain, no more tears. Total rest. Thank the Lord that God has given us a day to celebrate these things and that he has given us that wonderful vision. And so let us celebrate this together as God's people every day of our lives, but especially on the first day of the week. Amen.